Tech Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. It's America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. And now, here are your hosts, the game show guys, Tom Bastek, Mike Jacobs, and Christian Carrion. Welcome in. It's America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. We're the game show guys. I'm Tom Bastek. I'm Mike Jacobs. And I'm Christian Carey. And Tom, I have a question. Is welcome in like a regional thing? They say welcome up here. And I noticed that other people say welcome in. Where does that come from? That comes from Mike and I having a conversation in season one where we were concerned about starting off with welcome ladies and gentlemen. And we thought that that's not inclusive enough. And what could we do to make it more inclusive? And I said, well, we just say welcome in. And I'm like, I think you actually came up with welcome in or, and as I was like, hey gang, you know, and that's what I use a lot is hey gang. Yeah. But welcome in, I think is, was your suggestion. And that's how we got to that. Yeah. I don't, I don't, and I don't know if it's a Southern thing. I mean, Mike, is it a Southern thing? I don't know. I was going to say, I don't know that I've really used that phrase elsewhere. And I wouldn't have specifically yeah. remembered that I came up with that. I don't know that I attributed it to either one of us, but I do remember having that conversation and that like we had talked about maybe doing like hello friends or listeners but all that felt right. a little too i don't know stodgy and cheesy cheesy yeah, like yeah. some of the other some of the other pods yeah uh but yeah just <laughs> welcome in just felt like a nice quick i like it i like it yeah. it feels cozy and it is much more inclusive than ladies and gentlemen because saying sure. ladies and gentlemen kind of sounds like a circus I well, i'm imagining what is it's the i don't remember which which ghost it is in the christmas carol but the one that sits on a pile of food and he says come in and know me better that's what it makes me think of Oh, I love it. We should try that once. Maybe like a Christmas episode. What do you think? <laughs> I'll bring the pile of food. Oh, I love it. <laughs> well, hello, everybody. Mike, uh, Christian, it's been a little bit of time. Mike, what's going on in the ATL? Well, if I'm not mistaken, oh, actually, I think, Christian, you dodged it, but I think all of us have had the vid, the, oh, the yeah. Rona. Yeah, yeah, we've we've all tested positive at some point. Christian, you just had a, a regular old, you had a regular old cold, though, right? Yeah, Christian didn't. Yeah, I tested negative three times this weekend. <laughs> just wow. To be wow. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have, we have a stockpile of tests, and I just every time I got sick, it just felt like I said I'm unbelievably tired. I can't breathe. I I'm, I have sniffles, and so no, but I I have I, I have dog shit. I'm very happy to to say. Mike, so. what symptoms did you end up with? Absolutely nothing. That's great. Um, I well, so I we I wasn't even sure that I had it, um, uh, because. I let's see this was like a Saturday we went out to do like yard sales and garage sales and stuff like that we came back had lunch and then I was like I'm tired I'm gonna take a nap which already is like very off character for me I'm not a nap person hate naps okay uh slept from like one until five got up wow. had dinner went back to sleep and slept till the next day and then was fine so we don't know if I just sort of because I had worked extra hard that week and uh, you know yada 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 so maybe I just exhausted myself but later everybody else tested positive for covid uh and it hit them real hard um so yeah. i don't know if if that was indeed just overworking or the only covid symptom i got but either way uh i obviously uh dodged a bullet big time there uh, but i did indeed take a test to be safe and it came back the slightest faintest line but it was <laughs> it was just enough there to say if it's not yeah. there then i'm 
fooling myself, right? Like yeah. I'm knowingly saying, eh, I'm going to ignore yeah. that. And it was like, it's there. Um, but again, no symptoms. So, uh, so, so for me, it wasn't that bad. Um, I just had a couple of things, but could have been confused with drug stuff that I have going on for my heart mm. and allergies and whatnot. So I, I didn't feel like I never ran a fever the entire time. I And actually, my oxygen level went up from 93% to 96%, my oxygen rate. Hey, there you saturation go. Saturation <laughs> rate. So I actually got COVID and got better. Uh, <laughs> well, I think better is a relative term. but <laughs> Let me put it this way, though, because there, like, there was like six of us that got it, though, in the room. And I will tell you, the two guys who weren't vaxxed, and I, and I don't know what your feelings on any of that crap is, nor does it matter, but the two guys who weren't vaxxed and boosted are still in bed today. Uh, that'll happen. So, I mean, the, the four guys that were, we're all fine. We all made it. Actually, I think the most we had was one guy had a sniffle one day, and I was like, all right, well, cool. Well, I will I'm say uh, the... Uh... Uh, my my family members uh, did not escape with just the sniffles. It definitely was like oh. very much like you could hear them coughing across the house and just like conked out oh. all day long. And they were all vaxxed and boosted. Yep, yep. But yep, again, yep. Uh, quick recovery, and every, you know everybody's tested negative now, so we're all in the clear. And yes, yeah, yeah. They uh, they actually offered me the COVID drug. I didn't I didn't know that that was mm, being offered yeah, all pa- over the Paxlovid place. Paxlovid or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But um, because I have the pre existing condition of the heart, they were like, "Hey, we wanted to call you instead of just texting you with the positive information. We wanted to call you and find out if you wanted to be prescribed the drug." And being that I'm on a list, a laundry list of stuff to you know regulate my heart right now and, and get me back to normal, I was like, no, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. Mm, so fair enough. There it is. All right, Christian. What? Uh, nothing really going on with me outside of that. Uh, I'm very much enjoying. Uh, we've got a very high humidity rate. Mike, you're going to laugh <laughs> at this. It's been like 65 percent humidity here. I don't. I don't know what that means. Okay, what that means is like in Atlanta, it's like a hundred percent every day in the summer, and that's oh, why okay. you guys sweat your yes. you know what. Okay, yeah, gotcha. But we had a high humidity day here, and it was like sixty five percent, and it was mm. great. So that that's uh, that just reminded me a little bit of Atlanta, and I decided I would go um, and, and imitate the traffic. I went and sat in my car for five hours in the driveway. So Christian, <laughs> oh what's God. going on in uh, oh, uh, wonderful Amish land? Hang on, where did when did Jay Leno join us here? What is going on? <laughs> It's time for headlines. (laughs) That was not a dad joke. Come on now. (laughs) Uh, Christian, what's new in your world? Well, other than being relatively healthy, I've been doing a lot of thrift show. Well, other. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) You want to try that in English? Try that again. Let's do it again. Here we go. Here we go. One, two, three. Well, apart from being relatively healthy, I've done a lot of thrift shopping this weekend. My wife and I um, have had some time off, and so we've been able to go on road trips and adventures and look at all kinds of... We've been thrifting for years and years and years, and that's one of the first things we ever did together was just like go to all the thrift stores. Cool. Lancaster County cool. has an incredible assortment of thrift stores. I've been finding a lot of really cool game show-related stuff. So I'm on like a two-day streak right now. So yesterday, right. I found... Um, Mike might be familiar with the name Jan Murray. I mean, you might be too, Tom. But Jan Murray was like a comedian back from the fifties, and he created yeah, a couple of he created a couple of game shows, Treasure Hunt with the boxes and the money. That was one of the shows that he created. But he created this other one called Charge Account. It was like a word game, and it wasn't on very long, but it was on long enough to get its own home game. And I found a copy really? of it. Um, wow. and it's incredible condition. Uh, and then yesterday, uh, no, I'm sorry, not. I, I, uh, 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 this was today. This was this afternoon. I found a copy of 
the home version of a show that I grew up watching. It's a Canadian show, but it was on in America too, called Talk About. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Talk About. I have not, Mike. Talk about, like walk about, but talk. Exactly. So talk huh. about, okay. So you got two teams of two people, right? And you get a subject. And, and there's a list of 10 hidden words. You have 20 seconds to talk about the subject and say as many, mention as many key points as you can. As you mention the hidden words, they get marked off the list. Then your partner gets 20 seconds to do the same thing. At the end, the other team comes out and they have to guess what you were talking about based on the words that are left on the list. So the better you do, the more wow. stuff you mention. Yeah, the more stuff that you mention in your forty seconds as a team, the harder it is for the other team to come out and guess. And figure out what it is. Right. Like I saw an episode wow. the other day because, and and this will connect to the news a little bit, but uh, the cable channel Buzzer just added reruns of Talk About starting May thirtieth. So you'll be so you'll be able to see the show five days a week. Um, awesome. Yeah. So one episode that I saw, the subject was frog, and they both went they went hard on describing frog. They said ribbit and hops and it eats flies and it's green and it's and the one word they didn't mention was Kermit. And so oh, the team came out man. and it was the one word left on the list. And of course they guessed it, but really interesting game. And the board game plays exactly like the TV show. So it's just an incredible, I'm very happy to have that in my collection now. Oh, that's, oh, that's great. That sounds, like a, that sounds like a really fun game. You know, I just like the idea of going back and playing games from that era. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like no matter if they're game shows or not, I mean, that's just cool to like say, hey, we're doing, you know, board game night tonight and we're going to play something that I grew up with called Careers. Oh, Careers. Wow. You guys remember that one? I, I remember I've never careers. played it, but I've seen it. Yeah. That's where you used to have to search out the yellow bellied sap sucker. That's where that term comes from. I, I was going to say, I know that term. Yeah, I actually, I don't know if it's a real bird or not. And don't anybody hold me this, but it was like, oh, it was like it part is. of the career. Like, so career, like you had to work, or I think you had to get like money, happiness and something else. But um, it was uh, part of the happiness. Like you found the yellow bellied sap sucker and you got like a thousand points or something. Huh. I, I, I didn't save it. My mom and dad had it. I played it as a kid. Um, it was definitely an adult, adult-ish game. And um, I never saved it. I should have saved it. The only thing I have still, and I won't get rid of it, is I have the original Battleship. Mm. I love yeah, Battleship. Yeah, it's so good. I love So Battleship. good. Yeah. I love board games in general. Even when I was younger and everybody was into action figures and comic mm -hmm. books and Marvel, I was always into board games. And I never really got the bug for like the role-playing games and D and D and that kind of, which, you know, I, 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 I get it and I, and I respect it, but I just, I've always been into like board games and party games and I've come to appreciate the more complex role-playing games and like those, you know, super involved rules where you got to read 30 page book before you can even sit down and play the game. I've become to uh, enjoy those more in my, um, you know, adult years. Uh, but yeah, I mean, board games of all kinds, even, even the simple ones I love. The more complicated ones, some of them are fun. Betrayal on the House on the Hill, I think, is one that we played that I had a lot of fun That with. one is really fun. <laughs> yes, Mike, you've yes, got a heck of a collection is. over there, don't you? Yeah, we're probably in the realm of two to 300. We're actually starting to to kind of cull out a little bit. Um, we're doing a bunch of redecorating in our house and rearranging and stuff, and so we've we've moved a lot of our games from being just piled on shelves to into a closet, and we're just going to keep like our sort of... Top you know, 100? <laughs> ma exactly. Main plays out in the game room, and the rest will be in a closet. And as we're doing that, we're kind of pulling out stuff that's like, do we really want this, or is it like just to say that we have in our collection kind of thing? Yeah. Um, so. well, I'm glad you weren't in D into D&D &D there, uh, Christian. You would have been a mage. We would have hated you anyway. 
Um, <laughs> I don't doubt that. <laughs> All right, what do you got uh, news-wise for us today? Well, interesting week in the world of game show news. So first of all, Wheel of Fortune made this big announcement. They're going on a live tour. Oh, yeah. So the way The Price is Right does their thing where they do a, like a stage show version of, of, of the game. It's not You're not going to get Pat and Vanna for that, right? You get some other host, right? They haven't. I I don't imagine Pat and Van are going to be there. Um, as as old as they are, and with the money that they've made, yeah. I I don't think they want to come that close to COVID. Um, so they haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so they haven't announced a host yet. I'd be interested to see who gets it. But what I found interesting is that you, uh, being in the audience enables you to um audition to be a contestant on the show on stage, and they're giving away ten thousand dollars at each of these wow. stops, which is unbelievable. That's great. Right? And and Atlanta's yeah. one of yeah. them, by the way. Atlanta's one of them is coming. It's coming to Philly and it's coming to Bethlehem, PA near me as well. So I I definitely want to go. I think it's happening later (sighs) in the year. But yeah, Wheel of Fortune Live is a thing. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Mike, if you don't want to go, I'm coming to Atlanta and going. I'm just letting you know already. Sorry, Christian. Didn't mean to cut Uh, you off. Go ahead. No, no, that's okay. (laughs) No, no, no. I just I can't imagine that that is going to be anything other than massively popular, especially when you look at uh the sort of trajectory of the tour i mean they're going down south they're going where this show is like yeah i forget how popular wheel of fortune is even to this day that is like that's the jam man yeah. everybody down there loves wheel of fortune yeah. um do you, you think there's any uh possibility that maybe whoever they do have host this tour could be like vetting for takeover when because i mean you know we we're, we're we're already past Rebecca. I think it's nobody's sacred at this point. You know, Pat's going to go sometime. It's, it is possible, and I think that whoever they do get the host, they're playing to the key demographic, right? I mean, they're playing to you know what makes up the vast majority of the people who watch Wheel of Fortune. I mean, that's where they get all their viewers is like down south. And yeah. I, so if 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 they play well in front of that crowd, I can't imagine why they wouldn't be considered. But I, I would be interested to know who. Uh, well. Who, who they pick I, for that. I guarantee you that when Pat or Vanna decides to retire, I bet you they both retire together. And you know 100%. that Vanna's being replaced by Pat's daughter. That's already a given. So it's really mm. just Pat's position that we really need to fill at this point. Does he have a son? He does have a son. I don't know that he'd be interested. In, I, it, I, I've never really thought... It's funny that there, there was all this conjecture about who would replace Alex Trebek. I've never really given much thought to who would replace Pat Sajak. It's such a traffic cop sort of role. And I mean, Pat Sajak does it in his own specific <laughs> yeah. way that I don't I know that, that anyone could ever imitate. No, you know what I mean, though? Like, yeah, you, absolutely. You can, you can very easily replace Pat Sajak with like a big indicator light just uh-huh. to show you whose turn it is. I put, you know? the, sad, the sad part <laughs> is, is that and then he gets made fun of about it every single week. It's like absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I think we've talked about before how Maybe it's just my feed, but there, it seems like every day there's another check out this outrage over Wheel of Fortune. Yada, yeah, yada. Or I, heard someone, I don't remember what it was, but someone else on uh, another podcast mentioned that they get a lot of Wheel of Fortune clickbait stories, too. So I don't think it's just me, but yeah, I, I don't know how he puts up with it. Conan O'Brien on his podcast a couple of weeks ago with John Mulaney, they were talking about all the Wheel of Fortune clickbait and how that for some reason that's news these days. Yeah, that that must have been where it was because I just listened to that. I just listened to that episode. Yeah, that was it. You guys are very worldly uh, folks. Uh, I I don't listen to any other podcast except America's favorite game show podcast. Well, yeah, I I, I was going to say, we're going to have to go in and bleep this out because we don't want to be giving Conan any free publicity. That guy's been riding our coattails for way too long. I know, right? Come on. (laughs) So this one, ah, 
I'm still wrapping my head around this one. So ABC announced recently that to join Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, they're doing Celebrity Jeopardy in primetime on ABC. Hmm. So which is going to be a lot of fun um, because they haven't done a straight Celebrity Jeopardy in a while. They haven't announced a host, which is interesting to me. I don't know what they're going to do with that. Um, I'm going to bring you back to a tweet that Buzzerblog posted uh, back on my birthday, May 9th. So it was our, you know, the guy who handles our Twitter, his name is Alex Davis. He's a, he's one of the head writers of Buzzerblog. And he mentioned that, you know, he's curious what ABC is going to do now that Dancing with the Stars is canceled um, or won't be around, you know. And so he mentioned that maybe Celebrity Jeopardy might be a good option um, to go along with Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. Fast forward to... A week later, this is Robert Mills, the head of alternative unscripted entertainment at ABC. Thank you, Buzzerblog, for this tweet. It inspired me to call Sony and spin up Celebrity Jeopardy for the fall. This is a true story and a reminder, good ideas are everywhere. Wow! Can we talk about how Buzzerblog brought back Celebrity Jeopardy? That's amazing! Isn't that incredible? I'm still, like, processing it. Holy cow! Well... Right? And you know what? If it's anything like you know anything else we do, if it sucks, they will just beat up Buzzerblog. That, well, that's <laughs> that, and that's perfectly fine. We get we're big boys. We can take it. <laughs> Congratulations! That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. So look forward to Celebrity Jeopardy this year. Tell them Buzzerblog sent you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, what else we got? Um, yeah, so I figured I liked the way that we did uh, Stuff for Chump last week before going into oh, the yeah. show because, uh, you know, a, a lot of what I'm finding here, especially with this one since it's, you know, from the 50s, it's all history-based. And uh, before Christian goes into his deep dive and potentially spoils any answers, <laughs> uh, I figure we get it out of the way here and then we can just take our second segment uh, after that. Mike, the- real quick, I just want to make yes, mention sir. of Howie Mandel real quick and it take me, oh, take yes. me one okay. second. Uh, when we did Deal or No Deal a couple of seasons back, it, we totally trashed it. I mean, it, it it is what it is. But we also trashed Howie Mandel pretty good. And I just saw him on the Celebrity IOU, which I don't know if you know the show, but it's on A&E. And it, or a, it's not A&E. It's on HGTV. It's uh, one of those you know remake shows, remodel shows. And he, uh, the celebrity comes on and wants to do a renovation at their expense for somebody that's important in their life. And he did it for his manager who's been on the road with him for like 35 years. And not only was it an incredible thing that he did and how he talked about this guy and whatnot, but, you know, he's the germaphobe guy. He played, he leaned in to the germaphobe thing and was like, yeah, I'm the guy who doesn't want to get dirty and look at me rolling up carpet. I mean, like, he was so humble and self-deprecating and wonderful. And I'm so sorry I beat the crap out of him back in the day. Wow. Um, so that's it's a lot of the, like that Kenny G experience I had. Um, and I actually had a very similar thing w- with Howie Mandel, and I wish I had the gumption to bring it up too. Uh, going back to, God, again, more free publicity for this guy, Conan's <laughs> podcast. Um, Apparently I need to start listening <laughs> yeah. to this thing. Holy cow. Yeah, he had Howie on there a while ago, um, and, and he talked a lot about his his issues and was very frank about them and the way that he handles them and things like that um and yeah uh you know i'm i'm not taking back what i said about deal or no no. deal um and maybe he wasn't a great host but he didn't have a whole lot to work with and the fact is uh the the guy seems like just an absolute gem so yeah i don't want yeah all right again channel the the howie mandel and kenny g energy 
There it is. All right. So back to stump or jump. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right. Here we go. Um, So this show, as we will uh, talk about later, uh, had some rough patches. And as such, the producer of the show, Frank Cooper, uh, didn't have much of a career. After this show. Uh, In fact, he never did another game show after this. It straight up ruined his game show career. (laughs) Uh, It was not his only show, though. It was his last. Um, Though, that being said, didn't have much of a career before this either, so it's not like he lost a whole heck of a lot. Three other shows he had before Dotto, all of which failed very quickly. Uh, I want any one of them. But if you can get all three, then I'm going to call myself a triple Trump. Well, I'm going to put you out of your misery. I can name at least one. <laughs> I, I will att- I will attempt, if I can have complete silence from the audience, <laughs> I will attempt to name all three of these shows. So the first one, and, and this one, I, you know, there are no episodes of it around, but I love the concept of it. So the concept is called Droodles. So, do, so, so doodles with an extra R in there. And the idea was that this guy named Roger Price, who, I, if I'm not mistaken, also created Mad Libs. Oh, wow. Puzzle. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So he had this idea for a puzzle where you draw something that is a common everyday object from a different point of view. So I remember one that I saw in particular. It was, it was a circle with another circle inside it and a sort of long stick protruding from one side and a long stick protruding from the other side. And the idea behind Droodles, it was a puzzle and then became a game show, was that you have to guess what that Hmm. is. And the answer was a Mexican guy in a bicycle. It was his sombrero from the top and the front wheel and the back wheel. So it was clever little puzzles like that called Droodles. So that was one show. Um, He had another show that only lasted like a couple of there was a period where there were a lot of panel shows coming out because what's my line was so popular and I've got a secret on this thing. And I had, I, I think this one had to do with like current events. And I want to say it was something, it was called something like what's happening or what happened or what just happened or, or, or like, guess what happened. And I think at one point it just became like what happened. Yeah. I was going to say there are two names for it. And in your little ho-hums, you got both of them. Yes. Which, uh, I mean, obviously, if, if the listener hasn't guessed yet, Droodles was also hey, correct. Yeah. Can you name the third <laughs> one yet? Can I name the third one? Um, I want to say the third one was along the same lines. It was like a panel sort of, maybe even like a newlywed game type thing. It was called something like something about the family. Keep it in the family, was it called? Keep it in the family is what it was called. A- ABC, right? In 1958. <laughs> uh, sure. i just got the names man (laughs) i think i think that's what yeah it was like um it was one of those things where they you know they kind of poke fun at family life and yeah i I did a little bit of reading and i i agree droodles did sound like a really cool concept i didn't uh, get that same example that you gave uh but yeah it did sound like a really cool show but uh yeah triple chump wow got you got all three of them even both names of guess what happened or later just what's hap- what happened. Excellent question. Thank All you right. very much. And uh, just to let you. you guys know, uh, we are still open. We've had a couple of people that have uh, emailed in and wanted to know if we're still accepting questions from the general public. 
Um, although Mike has taken the reins as of late and really kind of honed it into the game of the week, we certainly, if given a fantastic question for Christian, would be very happy to post that uh, or pose that to him. That's right. I will be very happy to embarrass any listener. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. The challenge has been laid out. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like right. to submit for Stump or Chump, please uh, drop us a line via uh, email. Uh, which is on the website, or you can hit us up on the social medias. Uh, Christian never looks at our social media, so you don't have to worry about like that, uh, and it'll be fine. All right, this week's featured show is Dotto, and we will talk all about it, and it's it's going to be fun. I really enjoyed a 1958 game show. Like I wanted to watch another episode when I got done with this. Uh, not not only did I love this and, and wanted to watch more, uh, I, I also have... Six deep dives this wow. week. Wow. So, uh, man, I tell you, this one, it, it grabbed me. I love it. I'm so glad you guys like this. I can't wait to talk yeah. all about well, it. Well, after last week when we just hated everything, this is really great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anything. Yeah. All absolutely. right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we come back. We've got our featured show, game show, Dotto. And it's coming up here right next. In, right next. It's coming up here next. Right next. <laughs> Welcome, Welcome in, in <laughs> on the way out. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to America's Favorite Game Show Podcast. Tell them what they want. Welcome back. It's America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. This week's show of the week is, is it this week's show of the week? This week's featured game show is Dotto. And uh, we're going all the way back to 1958 for this one. Christian, uh, take it away. So Dotto is just an incredibly unique show. So it's a game that combines general knowledge with connect the dots. And you know, for modern TV viewers, it's hard to convey just how popular Dotto was. This was, by the end of 1958, it was the highest rated show on daytime television. Not just game shows. This was the most watched show in daytime TV. The show was so popular. It was so popular. It was on CBS. And the show was so popular that they actually commissioned a primetime version of the show to air on NBC. So you could actually see the show on CBS during the day and on NBC at night. And it got an incredible audience. It made the host, Jack Nars, an incredible star. Uh, he was uh, he was on a kid's show called Space Patrol. And this was one of his first uh, big-time game show hosting gigs. And, of course, he would go on to have an incredible career. Now you see it, concentration, all kinds of things. Um, but this was the show that really catapulted him to stardom. So you, get, so you get two players, each of them answering general knowledge questions to complete a connect the dots picture of a famous person and so the more questions you'd answer the harder questions you'd answer the more dots you'd get and the stage was set up in such a way that both players were working off the same picture but it was possible for one player to have more dots completed on their side than the other player they couldn't see each other and the idea was that the first person to guess the identity of the picture that was being filled in a little bit at, at a time would win a certain amount of money per dot they had connected um, 
which in the 50s, you know, we're in the height of the big money quiz show. So we're giving away a lot of money. We're giving away massive amounts of money. And of course, when you talk about big money quiz shows in the 50s, what comes sneaking right up behind it is the idea that a lot of these contestants were coached, were given the answers, were given the questions, were given the material, and just generally taught how to behave like a good dramatic excitable contestant uh and dada was really the first show that uh began to bring down the house of the big money quiz shows there was a contestant named ed hilgemeyer who was waiting to appear on dado he was backstage watching the show watching who the person who he would eventually compete against her name was marie Wynn, and she had been on the show for a few weeks she left her notebook backstage containing all the answers and questions that she was answering as he was reading along with the notebook. And so that was the first hint that things were going to go south when it came to uh, the phenomenon of rigging all these quiz shows and that it's exactly what happened. Um, and once the, you know, once the news broke that weekend, CBS and NBC, they canceled Dotto immediately as popular as it was. Uh, uh, it was airing on a Friday on Monday. It was a brand new show. And even the audience that came to see the show on Monday were treated to a completely different game show called top dollar. Um, and so it was a, a very unnerving, uh, sequence of events for that weekend. But that was, that was, uh, you know the first event that brought the house down on all these shows but yeah as i understand it like the the sort of concept of you know something fishies here had been bubbling up um and and shows were starting to get heat for it but this was the first one that literally they proved it they had conclusive evidence and like in a court of law were like yeah this happened and then like you say it was like a house of cards just everything after that started yeah that's exactly it yeah, and you know CBS uh, was at sort of the epicenter of it because they also had the sixty-four thousand dollar question, which was the epitome of the big money rigged nineteen fifties quiz show. Um, but Dada was different in that you know it captivated kids and adults. Adults watched for the money and for the questions. Kids were fascinated by the animation, by the connect the dots. And if you see the show, it's hard to convey through audio, but if you see the show, which it's available on YouTube, the way that they animate these drawings, it, it, it almost looks like magic. I, it took me a long time to figure out how they do that. Yeah. Thank you, because that's like one of my big questions. Like, how do they do that? I've never exactly seen how they do it. My suspicion is that if you were to look backstage behind that screen, they would have a diagram of like arrows connecting one dot to the other, just telling the artist or telling whoever's back there how to, you know, how to fill it in. Um, But again, it just, it happens so smoothly. And of course, this is before digital animation. This is before computer animation. These are literally two slide projectors on stage, you know, conveying these images. Uh, it's still, it still boggles my mind a little bit. I'll be honest with you. Well, and you, you had mentioned it's a little hard to describe, um, but we actually talked about in um, our win loser draw episode. We may have also talked about it in the video game episode. But there was a Nintendo game that I was a big fan of for regular NES called Anticipation. Love Anticipation. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So uh, the it's the 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 drawing out of the image is very similar to the way it plays on Anticipation, where you have the dots ahead of time, maybe a couple faint lines here and there um but then yeah there's just like a little line that goes across and connects them all and you see it go and like it it very much is like plays the same way as anticipation on nes does the the other thing that's amazing is like when your person does decide they're going to guess and they buzz in and we'll get to the incidental music and the sound effects here in a minute because i want to talk about that but 
but when they go over and they write it down on the transparency or whatever, it comes up on a total another side. It's not like an old transparency thing that you'd have in school that mm-hmm. would just project it up onto the... How did they do that? That's very, amazing. Very high tech. Yeah, very high tech for, for a late 50s game show. And the things that game shows did with projection technology back in the day is just unbelievable. You had another show um, only somewhat related to Dotto called Camouflage, where there w- it was a hidden picture game. And hmm. every question that you guessed right, a layer of camouflage would be erased from your picture. And you'd have to find, you know, it'd be a picture of a, a picnic and you have to find like a picture of a hot dog, you know, and you have to go up and trace it out. But the way they would do, I mean, projection technology definitely hit its stride in the late 50s. It, it's really unbelievable <laughs> what they did with it. Really amazing. And so, I mean, I... Well, okay. As I say this, I, I, I rethought, rethink my thought. I was going to say the budgets for these shows must be fairly large. And in that respect, I'm sure those those things are not cheap. But I was also factoring in the, like you had mentioned the big money. Um, the money that the people are winning on this is no joke. Like they, they were saying the top prize is $15,000, which today is roughly $150,000. So we're literally talking about, you know, 10 times or 10 magnitude increase for inflation over the years that's a ton of money massive amounts of money and but they're not really giving it away right like that's kind of the 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 rub (laughs) well the show is sponsored by colgate palmolive so there is definitely some giant corporate interest funneling money into this in exchange for having the logo all over the set and you know you can even see the beginning of this episode where they talk about who won the car last week and they pick it up in front of the colgate palmolive offices (laughs) you know so they definitely get the name in there wherever they can all right can we take a tangent real quick because this 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 brings up one of my deep dives uh i don't know if you caught this but aerosol toothpaste was a product that was advertised on this show jesus what a time to be alive, I tell you what. I, I didn't realize that Colgate, as they called it, <laughs> apostrophe S, uh, was an aerosol, but that's uh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, that well, a- apparently they made a aerosol toothpaste. It wasn't, because there was also the tooth polish and the tooth powder that they mentioned, um, but it was uh, of the products that, that Colgate's made, was an aerosol toothpaste. And I was like, my God, that's the future. And it's 1958. And then I thought, oh, no, that's why we don't have an ozone layer anymore. Because exactly they, right. Because they made a <laughs> freaking aerosol toothpaste. Uh, although, aerosol everything. So here's the deep dive. Aerosol itself just means mist. It means a liquid suspended in a gas. The problem was that back in the day they were using uh, what is it, chlorofluorocarbon? Yes, as yep. the propellant, uh, and that's what has been has been uh, killing the ozone. Um, so there you go. I'm actually looking on Amazon as we speak, and Colgate aerosol toothpaste is six fifty a bottle. No kidding! Wow! Oh yeah, there it is. Wow! There oh, you're gonna is. have to give me the, send me the link to that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, we'll do. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of prices, guys, I just wanted to put that six thousand dollars that was being won, but it's up to fifteen thousand. Correct, Mike? You were saying fifteen thousand was top prize, is what they said. I I just want to put that in perspective for people who are listening right now. In 1958, the average income for a year was four thousand six hundred and fifty dollars. The a uh, house would cost you the mean mean average for a house was ten thousand four hundred and fifty dollars. The highest price Ford car that year was thirty nine twenty nine, three thousand nine hundred and twenty nine dollars. <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying thirty nine dollars. <laughs> no, no, I was like, okay, that's crazy. <laughs> Gas was twenty four cents a uh, a gallon. 
let's see here. Milk was 42 cents a half gallon. Uncle Ben's rice was 19 cents for a 14-ounce box. <laughs> and this is my favorite, of course. A Nathan's hot dog. You guys want to take a guess how much it was? Oh, a Nathan's oh. hot dog? Uh, 1958. Yeah. Um, I got, I'm going to say like a nickel and it comes with a drink or something. I remember Nathan's specifically. That's why they caught on was because they were like dirt cheap. I, I, I'm going to say seven cents. It's actually a little bit higher. It was actually 25 cents in 1958. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, Still a so. dream price for a hot dog. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's amazing. You can get five pounds of sun cast oranges for only forty nine cents, just to let you know. Wow. Incredible. Well, but Incredible. so like you said, the house was basically uh, ten thousand five hundred. You get a house yeah. and a half if you, you get, get a house and a car. Easy. Yeah. A house and a car. House and a car, and and a couple bucks left over. If you and at that one point, for, okay. So by the way, uh, in the episode we were watching, did could everybody not see that that was Julius Caesar right away? Yes. At home? And why did she not <laughs> even make a guess? <laughs> no, I mean, but the sad part is, did you see what they, she was going to be given? She was going to be given a brand new car. She was so going to be much given stuff. a little car for the kid that was a, a full motorized car. Uh-huh. My dad. And six thousand dollars in cash. It was five years of a hundred dollars every single month. All for just knowing that was Julius Caesar, and I mean the 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 crown was drawn in. Right, that's the only thing you needed. Yeah, I was gonna say you never know. It could have been another celebrity who wears a crown made of leaves. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, her consolation prize wasn't shabby. She won a trip to Germany. I mean, well, and in all fairness, a round trip from London to New York is four hundred and thirty-four dollars in those days, and I was like, wow, that's actually not gone up very much. Huh. Such a cool show, right? Oh, great show. How about the incidental music and the sound effects? Did anybody else just love them the, like uh, well, I did? The whole thing, oh, yeah. the presentation of the show in general is like the perfect snapshot of what I love about this stuff. The music and the like the shimmering uh, like gossamer curtain that comes down as he oh, yeah. steps forward to advertise the Colgate. Oh, yeah. And the, yeah, and it's just, it's also just gosh darn wholesome you know yeah it's um, nostalgia at its it's absolute a vibe best. Yeah. it's a vibe it's, it's definitely a vibe and uh, to be perfectly honest i uh, maybe not to like the same stodgy way that they're presented but i wish commercials were like this still where it's just like here's a product here's what it does it does it well here's somebody who knows what they're talking about and the person's like yes this product does the thing well like that's what we need in advertising just tell us what the damn thing is and i'll go buy it i don't need perfume commercials where you know a man dives off of a lighthouse into a boat of snakes and then is whisked away by flying dragons or whatever i don't know perfume commercials are ridiculous and they don't wait a second wait a second there's there's a perfume that does that because i need to go buy some of that now (laughs) no i'm just saying that's what happens in those scent commercials they do this all this garbage that means nothing so ridiculous and and it's like what are what are you even advertising to me just tell me that fab gets my clothes clean uh though that that being said uh what the hell? Fab does not actually, but okay. Well, I'm, I'm sure it doesn't. And also, it contains Duratex. No clue what Duratex is. Looked it up. It's a wood company nowadays, but uh, hmm. yeah, who knows? Who knows what Duratex was? Well, the, and yeah, you know, and the funny thing is that Colgate contains Duron, D-U-R-O-N. Ah, 
That's what I'm saying. Like they love that kind of stuff back in the fifties. Just putting that. Just put a fancy yeah. name on it and send it on its exactly. way. By the way, the, here's a line just, that I absolutely loved. I don't know if you guys caught this. All questions are verified by editorial board of the Encyclopedia Americana. And he went right into the next question. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. That's how they get that spot oh, that encyclopedia sponsor money in there. Uh-huh. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, product placement that fast and quick and easy. And actually it's probably true so that they they don't get like audited. And then I was like, well, they did actually get audited and taken off the air. <laughs> well, th- that was one of the ways that a lot of these 1950s shows tried to guarantee the integrity. They'd say, you know, the questions have been locked in a bank vault and unlocked just prior to taping. And, it, bond, 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 yeah. and that might be true, but they also showed a lot of people those questions and then put them in a bank vault. So, I mean. Yeah, and here's the guy coming in with the briefcase and it's like got a um, uh, handcuffs uh, to his wrist <laughs> and. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then 50 women stand on stage and open a box. How far we've come, huh? <laughs> yeah, I I was a, a very big fan of this. I, I really, really loved it. And, in, you know, Mike, I want to definitely talk about uh, the questions, though, because they were, they were, you know, the, I laughed when Christian said it was general knowledge questions. I was like, mm. and a housewife knows all about opera? Yeah. I mean, well, it, it blew my mind. And the the British guy gets a question. Um, oh, where he waxes and wanes. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it reminded me a lot of when we talked about the big surprise and Errol Flynn just like going on and on about boats. And what it what it makes me feel like is that specifically in this episode, and there's a lot of things I want to watch or talk about with that's specific to this episode so uh you know those of you who are listening along make sure you watch it so you know what we're talking about um exactly he he goes on and on and it's as if he just got a write-up on here is what your opera question is going to be and not only does he not really know the answer he's just regurgitating facts i don't even think he really heard the question and he's just saying what he memorized until he lands on the right answer because and the reason why I say that is they present the question as what Faustian opera, meaning written by Faust, and he goes on this long, oh, I know so much about this, and lands on that was written by Faust. And it was like, yeah, no shit, we just told you that. Um, and so they had to like, you know, tell him, okay, well, but what was the name of it? And he's like, oh, yes, well, the name is this or whatever. And so, again, it's like he, t- he just knows – Oh, this is the Faust question, so now I can. Here's my chance to look super smart and then just land on the right answer at some point. Um, so, Christian, could could have they renamed this uh, reading comprehension? I mean, they could have. I don't know how it would have fit into the logo, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, and isn't so. Isn't that what we had to do as kids? I mean, we had to read a paragraph and then we were asked questions about it. Yeah. Am I wrong? Critical thinking. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Go ahead, Mike. Well, no, I just I, I wanted to go back to this guy because I, I feel like this guy is, again, just such a great example of the staged contestant. Like, first of all, like the stodgy British guy, like obviously made to look, you know, um, well read and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and he he tries to be all uh intellectual with his pearls before swine uh which he uses incorrectly and then the story that he makes up about the the beer well okay hang on we're getting our head ahead of ourselves okay because first of all he uses pearls before swine incorrectly he i thought he did i was like i don't think that's what that phrase he's trying to say it as like oh the you know pretty stuff first and then you know the 
stupid crap at the end. But what it actually means is... You should have said that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it it just means, like, uh, don't give fancy things to people that won't appreciate it. It's actually a quote from the Bible. Matthew 7, 6, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. So again, well, you're not kidding about a deep dive. Holy wow. Lord God! <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I didn't want to come out swinging on this guy for screwing up pearls before swine if I didn't actually know what, wow. what it was. But yeah, uh, so again, I don't think this guy is the super fancy British. And yeah, the whole story of having the thing tattooed on his chin or whatever—it's um, a cute story, but there's no way that was his. Um, yeah, and then, well, and even that, the guy was like, oh, my God, was it true? And he's like, of course it wasn't. But yeah, look at how funny I am. Not, ah! not, a, word, not a word of truth in it. Um, but let's not uh, avoid the fact that apparently in the 50s, simply having a beard was conversation worthy. Like, it was so out of the ordinary that you had to explain why you had it. Like, that's what the conversation started as, is they were like, oh, we have to talk about this. He's like, oh, I suppose you want to know why I wear my beard, and it's because it's the only way that men can express themselves these days, blah, blah, blah. It's like, nowadays, I would say there's probably more men that do have beards. It would never even cross a game show host's mind to ask, why do you have a beard? It's like, you know, why... I don't know. It was just so well. You weird. know what made beards particularly popular around that time? One of the factors that made it popular: um, Skitch Henderson, the band leader on the original Tonight Show, had a beard, and that made them really, really popular. They used to call them Skitchers, actually, and a lot of younger people would get a beard that looked like the the band leader on the Tonight Show. I feel like they were teeing him up for that story so that that's he could what, have his little right, ha ha moment. Right, that's what I'm saying. That, that that whole show, just watch that guy and you get the vibe of what the red game shows are like. And that's, I think, I don't know if I'm saying this on air or off air, um, but when you see enough of these stage shows, like I said, this and Errol Flynn in the big surprise, excuse me one second. <coughs> that you, you really see the difference in how someone acts when they're a staged game show contestant versus how a real person reacts. Um, and yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but it's just it's it just becomes so cringingly obvious. Well, rigged or not, the show was incredibly popular. It was popular in England as well. It was on for two years and so popular that there was a Dotto board game. It is out there and I see a copy on eBay right now, as a matter of fact. Ooh, wow. so there is a home. There is a home version that comes with the magic screens to draw on and everything. Wow. That's pretty cool. Do I dare ask what that costs? Well, on I was eBay just right about now? to ask that. What it's going uh, for. I am seeing it for whoa, not bad at all. Twenty five bucks and free shipping from England. Hey. Get the hell out of there! I, I may have to pick this up from England. That's this pretty is good so too. cool. Wow, yeah, this Holy is unbelievably cow. cool. Yeah, it comes with the questions and everything. Oh man, and buy it now. Just happened on Christian. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be here Thursday. Excellent. Excellent. From England, huh? That's be there right. Thursday? That's right. Uh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Was this a staged conversation? Did I'm going to set this I'm, up. <laughs> I'm going to 3D print it. Oh, gosh. Mike, what else do you have? Um, well, so, okay, I don't know if this was... This was this was a hard one for me to really put a thumb on and uh, just being so far removed from the era. But part of what seemed off to me, I'm I'm stammering because these aren't the right words, but I'm just trying to to formulate it. In 1958, 
how many people know what celebrities look like. You don't have the saturation of television to see them all the time. Like movies, I would say, so we'll go through the three different ones that they do on the show. Movies, I would say, it's probably pretty acceptable. But like in newspapers, you're getting very low-grade quality pictures. You're not... Or sketches, yeah. Yeah, or yeah. sketches, or like in the New Yorker and stuff, you get those illustrative, like almost cartoonish-looking sketches sometimes. Right, right. It seems to me that it would be far more difficult to be able to identify illustrations of celebrities in 1958. You know, I, I, I want to, I want to agree with you. And I guess my only, the only way I'll play devil's advocate here is to say that, um, historical figures. I mean, we all knew that was Julius Caesar. Uh, so in, in that case, you know, that's kind of the, the wannabe image of Julius Caesar. We, you know, we don't know how close it would have been to the actual Julius Caesar, because um, we didn't see it finished, obviously, but um, but there's also so there's there is encyclopedias with pictures at that point. There's magazines with 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 pictures at that point, and and honestly, I kind of feel like there's a lot of people that are going to um, going to the movies and catching newsreels uh, mm-hmm. that are going uh, to uh, concerts and and seeing and meeting the actual celebrities who are on stage it isn't like today where they disappear and they never go they come out they they meet people you know or you wait at the back door of the theater and you meet them and so i think that you know by the 50s you're you're getting a lot more pictures of of more of the famous people than you would be let's say in the 20s you know well that's um, yeah that's definitely true but I mean, we'll, let's go through those three because, like, one of them, I had no idea who the hell it was. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'll I'll work backwards. Basically, the last one we saw in the episode was uh, Fred McMurray. Uh, he was a a very big name actor. He's got over a hundred credits under his name. Long and successful TV career as well. That one, I sure. I have no doubt. You know, most people would be able to recognize him. I mean, that would be like if it was you know Brad Pitt or something. You know, just. Or Tom Cruise, right? Um, before that, we had Van Clyburn. Um, and this is the one that really made me think, like, who is going to know what that looks like, where that person looks like? So it's a famous pianist, but not necessarily like a pop musician pianist. I mean, I guess it was the 50s, so it was a little bit more. Uh, but he was a more like, you know, orchestral style. Uh, he actually has a... Um, distinguishment of playing for every single u.s president during his lifetime starting with harry truman um wow so yeah i mean he's not uh a a scrub by any means but again in 1958 how many just average people are seeing not only pictures of van Clyburn, but seeing them enough that his visage is committed to memory and they can pull it out based on an illustration seems a little suspect to me uh, and then the third one is Adelaide Stevenson. Uh, he was a lawyer and politician, and he was uh, a nominee for uh, president of the United States. Um, so, again, not someone that's like, you know, who is that guy? Like, I'm sure people would know who he was. But, again, like, is a, for lack of a better term, minor league politician really somebody that people in 1958 are going to be like, Oh, yeah, that's Adelaide Stevenson. I think nominations, you know, people who are getting nominated for for president are probably going to make the papers. You're probably going to get 
all the nominees in all the major papers, and almost every person in America got a newspaper in 1958. Yes, that's I've true. I've got to assume there's some sort of picture there. And you don't know exactly what it is. But again, Mike, I'm not disagreeing with you. I mean, I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, no, it's kind of ridiculous. Well, Christian, what's your thought on this? Well, I liked what you said earlier, Tom, about the idea that a lot of these magazine covers in the 50s were pencil drawings. You know, uh, the general audience was used to this type of depiction. I mean, because uh, photography was still expensive in the 50s. I mean, you didn't see actual photos of a lot of the people that you saw on the news. There were a lot of sketches and a lot of artist renderings and things like that. And, you know, as far as being able to identify celebrities, especially given, you know, half their face. And we talked about this for a minute before we went on, but if they had did a current version of Dotto with, like, current celebrities, I would not stand a chance. Yeah. Me neither. Yeah, especially if they were current ones. Right. Well, you could you could play just current music for me, and I'd be like, who? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of which, in 2014 in France, they almost did bring back Dotto. It was computer animated. I was able to, years ago, I can't find it anymore, but years ago I was able to watch the pilot that they shot wow. um, with a live audience, and they did like a, a new version of Dotto, um, and it was really, really cool. They, uh, the questions were a little, um, it was a little simpler. They did a thing where, you know, you pick a hard question for five dots or an easy question for three, that kind of thing, but... Um, but the animation was so cool. It was all like computer animated. It was awesome. That sounds really That's cool. I do great. think this is a show that would be at least interesting to see remade. I don't know if it would be good or not, but I would, I'd be interested to see just to, to put that sort of question to the test, right? Of like put a bunch of non-rigged contestants on a show and show them like, you know, three quarters of a picture of Drake. Like, are you going to know what that looks like? I, well, know. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Christian up for the uh, 24 hour game show marathon that Mike and I want to play this game. So you guys work on it, and we're gonna give you a list of celebrities that we think we know the picture <laughs> of. So you Come, can at least pick from up. people we know. Here's, here's the inventor of the cassette. <laughs> ah, he's like, bam, got it. <laughs> uh, the other thing I want to talk about, Mike, is did you hear the question? How many satellites does the U.S. have in orbit? I, was it even the U.S.? I thought it was just how many satellites are in orbit. No, I think it was the U.S. Oh, okay. How many does the well, U.S. either way, have? but the, the fact that he and was he able goes to... through it like yeah, well, he goes through it, he's like the Navy has one and blah 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 blah. But anyway, go ahead. Well, yeah, I was just gonna say the the fact that you're able to count them, right? Oh, at that point, that that's my point. I was like, oh my god, there was only three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bezos has put up. 3,000 in the last year. Well, okay, so I, I I guess I missed that it was just the U.S., so the number I have is is total, but... Uh, oh, total, like, for the whole world? Yeah. Oh, God, let me have it. Okay, well, so again, 1958, there were three. Uh, okay. Currently, 6,542. Wow. We have greatly increased the number of satellites since 1958. Yeah, there's a lot of space <laughs> junk up there, man. There they sure talk about is. it all the time. There's actually, there's actually like a couple of companies that are like that. It's their job to like monitor that stuff. Well, I do know that there is a. Uh, this is apropos of nothing, really, but there's a a salt flat in Bolivia. Um, it's the largest salt flat in the world, and it is so large and so wide and so reflective that that's what they use to calibrate satellites by. It's just like it's basically a big mirror on the side of the Earth. Oh, I love that. It's really cool. Wow. That's that is so such cool. a QI fact. Yeah. Yeah, it is. 
I love it. I love it. All right, uh, Mike, do you have anything else well, you, for you, um, Dotto? Yeah, well, I still got, I got a couple things still. Um, right, so yeah. you'd mentioned earlier the idea that everybody in 1958 is getting newspapers, which is absolutely the case, and they tell you um, in the show to check your paper for local listings of when the show is going to be on, which is kind of a quaint little thing, right? Before TV Guide, you got to go check your local paper. But when they uh, when they end the show and they do the sign off, like no kidding, you got to check your local paper because apparently they had the most complicated television schedule in the world. I, I rewatched uh, Jack Nars's sign off of the show three times to make sure I transcribed it correctly. Because oh, I did, I did, I caught, I caught something that seemed weird, and I was like, oh, maybe he just screwed it up. I didn't, and I let it go. I, he went back. He may have, and, and like the way that it's phrased, I think maybe he kind of did. But it's see you tomorrow morning on the daytime version of Dotto on another network next week, right here at the same time. So I think I can, I think I can parse this if you don't mind. Okay. Yeah. So now please. that I'm, now that I'm hearing it again. So, so going back to what I said earlier, the show was so popular that there was another version on in primetime on a completely different network now as a courtesy or to avoid you know unfairly promoting another network they would always say that they'd always say you know watch for so-and-so on another network if they were on abc and the other show was on cbs it did it like with guest stars and stuff when they were there to promote a show you know they'd say the name of the show you know but they say it's on another network or check your listings and that that was their way of Mm -hmm. saying we can't tell you where it is like you go find it okay um so again the show was so popular that you had that second version so i think what he's saying is Check it out tomorrow morning on the daytime dotto. Next week, it'll be on at the same time. Like this one that you're watching here will be on at the same time. I got you. I, I'm going to inter, inter, intersperse a, a extra phrase here, and I think this will make more sense. See you tomorrow morning on the daytime version of dotto on another network, or next week right here at the same time. And I think he could have done that. And, and, yeah. yeah, I was going to say he may have said or and in there, but just like gone through it so quickly, it just kind of dropped wow. off. But like I said, it's also I, live TV and, yes, and you know, the energy of, of, of wrapping up the show and, you know, and doing the whole thing. 100%. I mean, not, you guys know from hosting pub quiz and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not faulting him at all, but I'm not saying he flubbed a line. I'm just saying, like, what a very complicated way television was run back then. And it just it felt like he gave that sign off line. And then the announcer was like, just check your papers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Just just. <laughs> We're tired of this. Just find it yourself. It was also interesting, once again, to hear the beginnings of, if you'd like to be a contestant, send a postcard to... And the zip code was only two digits, which was great. Yeah, right. And that's <laughs> but, how you know that's how all these shows pick their contestants. They pick them from the audience. Well, um, you got to remember when I, in the 1980s when you well you guys weren't even born yet. Well, Mike, I think you were born, but you were too young. Hmm. Um, man, I, I if you wanted to be a contestant on a lot of these shows or get tickets to it, they they would always say, if you want tickets to so and so, send us a, a self addressed stamped envelope to blah 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 at the end of every show. The classic S A S E. Yeah, but I'm used to that. That was, but it was interesting to me to see that that whole thing, like at, kind of at the very beginning, you know, in, oh, yeah. in the fifties there. Uh, well, and so that kind of brings us to the end of the show, which brings me to my last thing. Well, not my last thing. I have one more thing that we can go back to. I guess it's not a big <laughs> deal. But uh, the the show signs off with the classic NBC tones, the do do do, and I was like, man, good on them for keeping that for so gall darn long. So I wanted to do a little bit of research on what the NBC chimes were, uh, and so it was actually originally uh, an alert 
to control, I mean, I'm sorry, to, to uh, network control engineers, um, letting them know basically, you know, a programming cue, right? The, 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 the show's about to come back on, you gotta, you gotta cut back in or whatever. Um, and um, also as a way to, um, f- uh, on the radio, for NBC affiliates to know when their cue was to, you know, give their station identification, all that kind of stuff. Um, hmm. But just over time, it was only NBC that used it uh, and sort of became associated with them in general and sort of took a broader, um, what they referred to as an interval signal um, but again, just you know, station identification, just to add an extra little tagline. Uh, but then in 1950, uh, the NBC chimes became the first purely audio service mark granted by the U.S. Patent Office. Wow. Yeah. Yep. 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 So good job, NBC, for making three simple tones so iconic. Key of G, key of E, key of C. You know, it was interesting because when I was in music class, they used that for like when we had to sight sing, like I think it's a, I don't know if that's a fifth or whatever it is. I'm, uh, Christian, you may know, but like you would, you know, because like a, like a step going up from like C to D would like bum, bum, you know, bum, 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 right, bum, right, right. bum, 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 all the way up. So we had to be able to sight sing like going up a third, going up a fifth. And I think NBC was either a fifth or a sixth where you went NB. And B, well, it's C G, so it's C D or D E F G, so it's a maybe it's a fourth, but um, yeah, I mean that was, I mean that's how we knew it back in the day. God, that's going back to college. Holy cow, <laughs> Mike! Anything else you've got there? Yeah, just one other quick thing that that we didn't touch on, and it's not really anything to do with the show, but what happens with the woman at the beginning? She's given a note, and then they're just like, you have a job as an actress now? Like, did we miss something in a previous episode? I, I was very, very confused by that whole exchange. We we Apparently, we did, because there was something about modeling. Like, she was either a model, or right. she got an opportunity to model in the first episode that she was on. And then this episode, she got a note to be a... Thing. Do, Christian, do you have a background on this? So this was part of the glamour that they tried to attach to being a contestant on these shows. And this is around the time that you have 21 on NBC where Charles Van Doren, the guy who's getting all the answers, won $100, whatever thousand dollars. He eventually got a job as a poetry reader on the Today Show. And he was on the cover of Time Magazine. And so I think that they tried to and, – and, and this is not fact. This is just what it seems like to me, just going – based on what I know about the background of this type of thing. Um, the, again, the sort of glamour that they tried to associate with being a contestant on these shows, that being smart can, you know, get you riches and fame. And, you know, and so that was uh, their sort of propagation of the American dream in their own sort of way. Which, I mean, huh. I guess the, the idea there is, I mean, I don't, it just it's, it seems like an interesting ploy, right? Because if it's a stage show... You're getting people to watch, sure, but you're not getting contestants out of it. You're not fulfilling the dream that you're putting out, right? Like when when you watch Millionaire and you see someone win Millionaire and you're like, I can do that. And you actually can, right? Like there are steps you can take and you can actually get rewarded with that. And therefore it makes it a product that people go, keep going back to. 
the idea that you are defrauding people and pushing that fraud as a dream that they can achieve feels to me like a unsustainable whatever it is <laughs> presentation or whatever you know what i'm saying like like eventually the curtain's going to fall there whether or not you get caught for making a fake show eventually people are just going to be like eh nobody ever makes it on that show and stop caring about it anyways right well right yeah it's unattainable like you said Yeah, but I think in the 1950s, you know, I I mean, who knows where their list of people would have ended if they didn't get caught. You know, I mean, it may have gone on for another five years. But but I mean, the truth the truth is, is that I think that there's someone sitting in the middle of Kansas watching this on their television. It's like, oh, wow, look at that lady. Yeah, she's really pretty. She's going to be a model and eventually she's going to be an actress. You know, like I better go buy my aerosol toothpaste so I can be that model. I mean, (laughs) what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, is like she was just a nobody. And then she got on that show. Like, like, and of course, because they live in Kansas, they're never going to be on the show, you know, but, but the, but the truth is that isn't going to stop them from watching it. Right. Or playing the home game. Or playing the home game, that, yeah, yeah. That's which true. which you that's win true. all that stuff. Oh my God, we picked up our right. car in front of the Colgate building. Or right, getting right, picked right. to guess freaking Julius Caesar and not even make a guess. I will never forgive that woman. She doesn't even just say a name, like Any name. what I, Mickey uh, freaking Mouse, right? Anything. It's so weird. Unbelievable. And I love that the host is even like, I mean, of course, with no guess, you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That was my favorite line that he had. Well, you know, with no guess, I have to tell you, well, you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, he's so good. Anyways, two thumbs up to Dotto. I do have one last order of business here. All right. We need to to talk about what we're watching next week. Oh, indeed we do. So I'm okay. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it a little differently this way. First, I'm going to give you a choice aired or unaired. Ooh. Ooh. We haven't done unaired, have uh, we? I don't Mike? think we've done anything uh, like literally unaired. I and mean, we've talked about things that never aired. We have definitely sure, talked sure, about sure. things that have never aired. But I don't think we've actually featured uh, it. Uh, well, hold on. Here's no. here's my only question is is the unaired going to keep us in the same uh, era that we're in right now, or at least similar. No, I have I have two different years for aired and two for unaired. Oh, nice. So All right, then I vote aired unaired. unaired first. Unaired, absolutely. More okay. the more recent of the unaired is what I would hmm. say. So the two that I have picked right now, 1975 mm-hmm. or 1981. See, I was hoping for something even like more recent, but uh, you know, uh, I'm gonna say 81. I'm gonna agree with you. 81, go. All right. It's locked in. I can't wait. All right. I right. cannot wait. On the air show oh. from 81. The reason why I chose 81, by the way, we haven't said this yet. Yesterday was my birthday. I just turned 40. Uh, feeling very Happy old. birthday. Uh, Happy birthday. I, I came to the realization on uh, like Friday or something that college was half of my life ago. Oh. And man, that's uh, being 40 is weird. So. Uh, you know what? 40 wasn't weird for me. 50 is going to be weird. That's a half a century, dude. Oh, God. That And that's right around the corner for me. I got three years to go on that one. Ooh. Uh, Man. The inexorable march of time. I'm so old. It's All right, guys. Well, thank you so much uh, for uh, coming out and having some fun with us today. We really greatly appreciate it. Uh, Don't forget to tune in again next week. We're going to do this, and uh, we've got a great unaired show from 1981, apparently, that's going to be our featured show of the week. Tune in and find out. Uh, Otherwise, uh, boys, I'll see you next week. See you next week.
All right. Bye, Tom. You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. A JTEC audio production. Copyright 2022. No part of this podcast may be reproduced by anyone without the express written consent of the creators. For more information or to contact us, please go to tellthemwhatthey'vewon.com. All right, Mike, what did you learn this week? Uh, I learned that not only did aerosol uh, toothpaste exist, it still exists, and I will report back with my findings after it gets here. You're going to buy some? Holy cow. You better believe it. I want to know what aerosol (laughs) toothpaste is all about. Absolutely. I love it. That's great. How about you, Christian? I learned that the technology behind the rear projection screens on Dotto and a lot of these shows was provided by the Vismo company, V-I-S-M-O, and they were in charge of – so they were the first company to create a way to uh, project an image from the back instead of from the front. So wow. yeah, so so that was that was the company that made a lot of money on a lot of these game shows that use projectors to hide puzzles and answers and questions and all kinds of things. Think how much wow. money they would have made if they uh, actually, you know, made a real game show instead of a scam. Oh, sorry, oh, salty. I don't. So I, uh, uh, what about you, Tom? What'd you learn? I learned that in 1958, you could get corned beef for 59 cents a pound. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go get a sandwich. Copyright 2022, a JTEC audio production.